Good morning. My name is Laura Kovacs, and I'll be reading scripture this morning. Our first reading is taken from the book of Genesis at the very beginning, um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from the Good News According to Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized him by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with a camel's hair, with a leather, leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The Gospel of Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So a couple of months ago, I read a story about a man named Jimmy Barber. It was in the Atlantic magazine, and it was by the Catholic reporter Elizabeth Brunig, and she reports on stories of forgiveness. And this particular story was called, Jimmy Barber Died a Forgiven Man. Jimmy Barber Died a Forgiven Man. On a night in May 2001, Jimmy Barber murdered Dorothy Dottie Epps, a 75-year-old grandmother in her rural Alabama home in the midst of a crack cocaine and alcohol binge. Dottie was his 
former girlfriend's mother, and Barbara had become close to them as a family friend. So when he killed Dottie Epps, everything important in his whole life died with her. All the relationships that he'd had meaningful with anybody else died with her. And it earned Barbara the death penalty. He didn't take well to prison. After being locked up, he found himself consumed by guilt, anger, and shame. Initially, he lashed out against everyone and everything. He killed a woman who loved him and trusted him, destroyed the lives of his family members and his own, and he hated himself on account of what he'd done. His life had been destroyed, turned to dust, and he hated himself. Which is my way of saying, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, I kid, I kid. I mean, you know that this story is going to get better, don't you? I mean, this is church, isn't it? The story's just got to get better. I got that joy. Eventually, something happened to Barber, and it changed everything for him. You know, in prison, there was a decided lack of entertainment, a fuzzy black and white TV, a new book each month. So he turned to one of the only books available in his desperation, and that book was the Bible, of course, of course. He read it through once, and then he read it through again, and again and again, counting that he'd read it through completely at least seven times. But it wasn't just an academic exercise. It wasn't just for fun. Boredom made me pick up the Bible, he wrote in a letter to Dottie's granddaughter. Boredom made me pick up the Bible, and it saved, at that time, my worthless life. Boredom made me pick up the Bible, and it saved, at that time, my worthless life. Not only did reading the Bible help pass the time, it saved him, he said. It changed everything for him. It changed everything. It changed everything. Now, how did it change everything? I mean, the truth is that he never had any chance of parole. No time off for good behavior possible, no pardon awaiting. The only way out of prison for him would be on the other side of a lethal injection, which did come eventually last year after decades on death row. How can your life change when you are confined by steel and concrete? How can your life change when you're just counting the days, waiting for the state to put an end to your life. How can your life possibly change at that point? Well, the clue is in a letter that he wrote to be read aloud on the day of his execution. I mean, unfortunately, state rules actually prevented him from reading it aloud. But here it is. God is so good, he wrote. God is so good my life was over. Someone who I loved 
life was over. I was in jail with no bond, no chances left, at the edge of the abyss, everything gone in the wink of an eye. But I opened a Bible, and God reached down, God reached down, lifted me up in his hands and said, now you are ready for me to use as an instrument for my glory. There's more. He continued. God is the creator of everything. He created a new thing in me, gave me wisdom I never had, and assured me of a permanent dwelling place in his presence. I've strived to show him my love and utter awe at the great gift he gave me by the way I've tried to live. At times, I know I failed to do my best, but I made up my mind early on that mere words could not express my sorrow at what had occurred at my hands. And so I hoped the way I lived my life would be a testimony to the family of Dorothy Epps and also my family of the regret and shame I have for what I've done. I don't know if I've succeeded. That's not for me to judge. But I also told my brother on the phone from the county jail that I was never going to become a convict. Said I wouldn't cut my hair like one, conduct myself like one. I wanted when either either walk out of prison or I am carried out in a body bag to be a better man than when I walked in to prison. I want to be a better man than when I walked in. And that was the letter that he had written to be read allowed at his execution. Jimmy Barber screwed it all up. Jimmy Barber did one of the worst things any of us could possibly ever do. He lost everything. He lost everyone he loved. Lost everyone he loved. He lost everything he held dear. And he lost his freedom entirely. And yet, and yet, there in prison... Jimmy Barber found new life. Not by anything that he'd done, mind you. Not by anything he'd done, but new life came to him. In spite of it all, he found himself forgiven. He found himself loved. He found himself with a new purpose and meaning and a freedom that not even solitary confinement could smother. He found freedom in prison, and new life, and it was a gift. Because in the end, for him, everything was changed by the unmerited, unilateral, one-way, unconditional love that we call the grace of God. The grace of God came to him when there was nowhere else to go. The grace of God came to him when there was nowhere else to go. It is a beautiful story about the power of grace. I mean, I kind of knew that I was going to preach on it when I, when I read it. A grace that comes to us in our worst and at our worst. It's a beautiful story. And yet, at this point, you might be wondering something. As lovely as this story is, what does it have to do with today's scripture passages? Or baptism in general. Today is the baptism of the Lord, and the passage was about Jesus' baptism. Well, I shared this story with you because in this story we hear echoes of what baptism means for all of us. 
what baptism means for all of us, and baptism as it was experienced by Jesus himself. Jesus came to the wilderness where John the Baptist, a preacher and prophet, was, prop, was baptizing multitudes for repentance and for forgiveness of sins. Barber found himself not in the wilderness of ancient Israel, but in the desert, the exile of his own sin and destruction, needing forgiveness. When John dunked Jesus in the Jordan, we're told that Jesus saw the heavens torn apart. When he came up, the sky split, and the Holy Spirit, the creative power of God, slipped on through the sky and rested upon him. And then we're told that there was a voice from that same vertical direction. The Spirit came, and it said, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Barbara had sunk into the depths, caged in and closed on every side, but when he dove into the Scriptures, God's own Spirit reached down, bursting through concrete and barbed wire to reach him, like the sky splitting for the Spirit with Jesus, and said, now you are ready for me to use as an instrument of my glory. Barber's experience of God echoes our own Lord's experience with God in his baptism in that the Spirit drew back the heavens and reached down and claimed him as his own. And you know what? After this whole experience, Barber was eventually baptized on October 6, 2001. And you know what, I, what else? Up until the end, Barber considered that day his baptismal day, his, quote, true birthday. His baptismal day was his true birthday, where he was born again. His baptism represented the whole new person that God had created him to be in the first place. Now, clearly, not all of us have had an experience like Barber in prison or Jesus at his baptism. You might even say, few of us have had experiences like this. Some of us have, but not all of us have. Some of us will one day, and some of us may never have experiences like this. But baptism was Jimmy Barber's true birthday, not in the literal sense of reassigning the date by which he entered his mother's womb, but that it represented God's power to bring light out of darkness, life out of death, redemption out of sin, something out of his absolute nothing. All these things which are true, whether he had that mystical or ecstatic spiritual experience or not, his baptism was the summation, the summary of God's work in his life, who God is, what God did for him, and who he ultimately was, thanks to God. His baptism represented the truth about him, the real truth about who he truly was. From the beginning, even if he didn't know it or acknowledge it. Regardless of whatever he'd done, left undone, or whatever he would ever let ever have happen to him, he would forever be a child of the living God. That's what his baptism meant, his true birthday, that he would forever be a child of the living God. And that, dear friends, is what every baptism means. 
everyone's baptism means. It is a sign and a seal of the grace of God. The same grace that came to Jimmy Barber is the same grace that became human in Christ and dwelt among us. And it is the same grace that is yours, that is yours, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by nothing that you have done or can ever do to earn it. Baptism means, baptism is our true birthday. So later on in the service, each of us who have been baptized will have a chance to come forward to the font here and to be marked in water with the sign of the cross on our way to receive communion. So, you know, you'll be marked, just so I don't have to say this later, I'll say it now. You'll come forward and you'll be marked with the sign of the cross and then you'll move on to the next station and then go on to communion. After that, and as each of you come forward, whether you were baptized at six months or at 60, whether you remember your baptism or not, I want you to come forward and remember this good news. Even if you have yet to be baptized, too, I want you to come forward and receive a blessing and hear the same good news because it is yours too, even if you have yet to claim it for your own. Baptism means that no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter what you've done or will do, in it, the creator of the universe herself says that the guilt, says that guilt and shame have no power over you. For you, there is always forgiveness. For you, there is always forgiveness. You are forgiven even now. There is always forgiveness. Baptism means that no, no matter how small your world becomes, no matter how imprisoned you may be, even literally imprisoned, it says that you have freedom. Because the Lord of the heaven and earth tore the heavens themselves to find you and went to hell and back to bring you home, you have freedom. And this is true wherever you may be. There is no dead end till God says it's a dead end. And finally, in baptism, God says the same thing to you that he said to Jesus at his. That by grace, you are a beloved child of God with whom the creator of heaven and earth is well pleased. It means that your best days are always ahead. That even when you run out of them on this earth, you've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. By grace, you are a child of God. And with you, the, heaven and, the Lord of heaven and earth is well pleased. Remember, friends, like Jimmy Barber, baptism is your true birthday. Baptism is your true birthday. 
and in it, you're given the best birthday present ever. The grace of God that makes all things new. I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.